Hello, my friends, and welcome back for another episode of The Talk. I am your host, Chef Michael, better known as just Mike. <laughs> uh, thanks a lot for being here and being a part of this podcast. Uh, I really wanted to create a space where we could dive in a little bit deeper into the issues surrounding, well, all this, the food industry, keto, diet, weight loss, health, um, and have some real conversations that need to be had because look, it ain't always pretty. And so I think bringing up really important topics in this industry is very important. And, you know, you guys may know my recipes, but I thought this would be a good chance for you to see a little bit more about what I do and what I believe in outside of that. So welcome back for another episode. I got a great guest for us with a very inspiring story. But before we dive in, I'm going to give you just a little bit of information. First of all, Find more about this podcast at chefmichael.com slash podcast, and that's chef-michael.com slash podcast. You can also join me after on Patreon, where I do bonus episodes and more. You also get some freebies that come with becoming a member of my Patreon, and you really do support me keeping the lights on and the cameras rolling. So join me over at Patreon for more, and that's patreon.com slash chefmichael. Finally, thank you to our sponsor, Redmond Salt. I truly love Redmond Salt. I use it in all of my cooking. It's the best salt in the business. It tastes amazing, but it's made here in the USA. It's all natural. It's from a dried up seabed. I think it's from the Jurassic era and uh, it's mined basically right out of the ground. It's packed with over 65 trace minerals. So when we talk about the importance of getting in those electrolytes, especially on a ketogenic diet, you can do that just through your diet, just through what you eat. Salt your food with Redmond salt. You're going to get everything you need. That being said, they also make some other cool products too. So definitely check that out at redmond.life, not redmond.com, redmond.life. Put in discount code CHEFMICHAEL and get 15% off your order. Thanks again, Redmond salt for all you do. Now it's time to dive in my guest today is a super inspirational person. I met her here, well, not here, but I met her on Instagram in the keto community. She has lost over 250 pounds and is not only inspirational, but you know, also isn't afraid to talk about the struggles of achieving such dramatic results. Let's get into this conversation. I'm already fired up because it's just such an important topic. And I think we see beautiful before and after pictures all the time, but we don't talk enough about the journey in between. Welcome to the stage, Stella Mannion. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. I love the white background. We're, we're in perfect yin and yang right now. <laughs> <laughs> it is. That turned out good. I love it. Well, thank you so much for working out all the technical aspects of getting you uh, on the podcast. I really appreciate no it. No problem. It's it's uh, it's a strange thing to get all the sound and audio right. So I really do appreciate it. Not a problem at all. When I was on Aaron's podcast, I had to do the same thing. I had to borrow a computer, get it all hooked up. And uh, it makes life <laughs> so much easier when you can just do things, you know, straightforward like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate it. Well, um, let's just dive in. <laughs> I, I gave yeah. you a little bit. I gave you a little bit of an introduction um, before you popped on screen, but maybe just kind of 
say your name and maybe if there's there's some you know kind of where people can find you um, especially on social so our guests can follow up with you after if they have any questions all right well my name is stella i've been on a weight loss journey well this weight loss journey for a little bit over three years i started out at 567 pounds and i lost 254. Um, my main place you can find me is stella is striving I'm on Instagram all of the time. Uh, I look at Instagram as sort of an accountability tool for myself. So I've been on there since the beginning. Yeah, it's it's how I found you. It's how a lot of us find each other these days. Um, and your account is, um, well, I think it's it's very inspirational. I, I Even for me, it, it actually was. I don't know if you realize, but I, I've really been paying attention to what you've been doing for a long time. But I kind of mentioned in the introduction that wh- one of the reasons that I not only really admire you, but wanted you on the podcast was because something I think you do a little different. You know, we see a lot of kind of overly, um, well, man, I don't want to say anything wrong here, but <laughs> people are very easy to show the the dramatic before and after pictures, whatever that is, 20 pounds, 50 pounds, hundred pounds, 200 pounds. What I don't think people always see is what happens in between? <laughs> and I, I think you do an amazing job at really sharing your journey, that it isn't just like this pretty little weight loss chart that drops down in one pretty line, right? Um, right. And I think it's a really important topic. Um, I think a lot of people want to lose weight, um, but don't really know where to begin and and aren't necessarily prepared uh, for the journey that they run into. And, um, I love what you said a minute ago. This has been a 30 year journey. Is that what you said? Well, this, this time has been a three year journey, but I have failed many, many times. I've been trying to lose weight since I was eight years old. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. So you've been eight years old. You, you, you started as a heavy kid. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. When I was about five or six, I started slowly gaining weight. My mom was a single mom, worked really long hours, and I stayed with my grandmother. And my grandmother's food language, you know, our love language was food. (laughs) And she just let me eat, yeah, what I wanted, how I wanted, when I wanted. And the weight just piled on from that. And um, it became food is love, food is comfort very, very early. And when my grandmother died, I took that extremely hard. And all of those habits that had already been instilled, they just kept getting worse and kept getting worse. Um, And I had binge eating disorder as a young child, but I didn't know. I would just have people be like, what is wrong with you? How can you eat an entire package of lunch meat in one sitting? Like, and and I had no idea. I thought something was wrong with me and, and it was, but maybe the delivery <laughs> wasn't the best. You know, I was like, you should just be able to stop. And I didn't know how to. Yeah. I, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta be vulnerable here for a second because even for me, just in the last few months, um, I've been really starting to put some, uh, language around my binge eating problems and emotional eating. And even though those things have always been there, um, I don't know if I ever identified it or sort of said, this is a problem I have. Um, I'm kind of curious, 
you know, for you, if you had any advice for anybody, sort of what's the line? I mean, you know, not in a medical sense, because we can't speak on that, obviously, but how did you know that you had a problem? I think it went from really doing my own research and understanding because it felt completely out of my control. It's one thing to make mm. a proactive decision to overeat. You know, you'll hear a lot of people say, oh, I had a binge today. And then I immediately say, did it feel like a choice? Like, did you proactively choose to do that? Or were you stuffing things in your face and you you had the voice? I have an actual voice in my head that I have to talk out of doing bad things when it comes to my food intake. And, uh, and it feels like such a strong compulsion that it's like you can't say no. But then I think the important thing is learning that you can, you can talk that voice down. You can have, develop, a, you know, a, a coping mechanisms that are not maladapted because um, that's what it is. It's just, it's so quick and instantaneous. You feel good. The feel good chemicals are rushing. So, I mean, that's why, that's why we do it. That's why it feels good. Yeah. That's why we can't. That's why stop it's an addiction. Often. It's an addiction. Yes. That release of it. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's a whole nother thing. People get kind of testy whenever you bring up food addiction and they don't equate it. I actually have a friend who has been in recovery for many, many years. And she and I speak a recovery based language. And she looks at my food addiction exactly like her drug dependency in the past. And um, it's like, you know, addiction's mm. addiction. And um, I think people with food addiction don't realize how serious it can be. And sometimes people with drug addiction don't feel like food addiction is the same thing. It's, it's very tricky, but it's all about what's personal to you and, and what language you speak and, and how it feels for you personally. Well, you know, I'm intrigued by what you're saying. Something that really caught my attention uh, and I told you it caught my attention some, some weeks back and it kind of happened to coincide when I was planning and thinking about this podcast and thinking about who and what my message would be here and why I'm doing this. And you did this crazy, not crazy in a bad way, but you did this really amazing series on Instagram where you were proposing some very interesting questions and we're asking your audience on social media, you know, a whole plethora of questions uh, specifically about perceptions in, well, really morbid obesity seemed to be a theme and then how that kind of bounced around in our culture, um, contrast within that discussion. But you just said something that brought me right back there. I don't remember how long it was. This a couple months ago or something. Maybe. It had been a few months ago. So um, yeah. I don't really get into politics very much. There are things that do mean a lot to me, but I started following sure. a lady named Sharon Says So. And she's very much like, listen, you have to hear this. You have to hear this. And you don't have to agree with everything. But then I was like, man, what an amazing concept to give people the freedom to express themselves. But what if we take it out of the political sphere and we bring that to something that's a hot button topic like obesity. And so I thought I'm going to take her concept and I'm going to try it out. And boy, let me tell you, that was mentally taxing <laughs> to read yeah. and to, and to hear some of that stuff. Some of it was very hard to hear. And I sure didn't agree with everything that I shared. Um, but I felt like not. it gave people a space, but I would love for someone who had the mental capacity to do that all the time 
to continue that. I just don't think that I could. And plus it's someone else's um, style and someone else's artist. I've never seen anyone else do what Sharon does, but that was who inspired that. Um, gotcha. But I, I man, didn't, we I didn't know up... the inspiration, but yeah, it got, it got yeah. real. It got very emotional um, for as a reader. It was very emotional. Um, good, good and bad emotions, feeling like other people felt the way I did. Um, feeling like other people did not feel the way I did. Um, <laughs> yeah. But what you brought up a minute ago, and we'll, you know, and there's, it's too big of a discussion to even like address here. <laughs> but you brought something up a minute ago around food addiction, and I remember specifically there was this question. Well, I don't remember the question exactly, but essentially, I remember reading this this discussion around like, what are the perceptions of people who are morbidly obese, and and one of them is that. I remember somebody wrote something that I'm having trouble putting it to words because it's such a big discussion, but somebody wrote something like people think that for us who are morbidly obese, it's just as simple as like, just stop eating so much. And it's not this idea that fat people just need to put the fork down and start moving their body, get their ass up and stop eating so much. And Man, did that hit something with me because, um, you know, first of all, I don't, I don't think even when I was a kid, I wish I knew that I wasn't as fat as I thought I was in my mind as a kid, um, you know, shopping in the Husky department, I thought meant I was like horribly, you know, whatever. So like, I, I understand sort of like through my life, some of my own perceptions were, were askew. But I do remember when I was over 300 pounds, the feeling of sitting at a table at a restaurant and feeling like I was being watched how much I could eat and being very sensitive to that, that feeling of being judged for how much is on my plate. Meanwhile, like my my skinny buddy next to me can order three entrees and nobody thinks twice about it. And Correct. that... And again, well, that's a whole other part. You brought this up too, the shame around for skinny people too. Um, a separate topic. But there is a lot of shame and a lot of pain that goes into living as an obese person. And some of the responses that you were getting like really hit me and I'm sure it hit you as well. What's been your experience along your journey, both at your heaviest, at your lightest, I mean, there is so much shame associated with obesity and it's not right. It's just it's not. not. I think that people, um, because of our culture, they really truly believe they have the right to police obese people. Mm. And I will be the first to say that if you are happy at whatever size you're at, then that's fine. Like, I'm not going to tell anybody that you have to change. I'm not going to tell anyone you have to lose weight. And and I also, in that same token, want the freedom to not be judged for wanting to, to, to not being happy where I'm at. You know, don't tell me that I have to embrace uh, putting pressure on my lower bearing joints and that, you know, maybe I want to run a marathon one day and that's just not possible at the weight that I was. So those are different goals I have. So I judgment goes both ways. And something very weird that I've noticed is 
well, there's lots of things. So, <laughs> um, I felt very invisible at 567 pounds and I yeah. have relationships. I don't think I would have currently if I were still in the body that I was in. Is that fair? No, but it's reality. And then I also, there's, there's been people who look at me in disdain on that opposite end of the spectrum, people that haven't changed and they feel like I should be happy at whatever weight. I'm not telling you, you, you can't be happy at that weight. I'm just telling you that I wasn't and that's okay. Um, so there is lots of shame and judgment from all the way over here to all the way over here. I didn't realize how much as far as body image humans, um, that humans judged each other. And then you were talking about the skinny shaming. I think we pretty much nailed during that Sharon Susso thing that, uh, <clears throat> yes, it, it sucks to be skinny shamed. It really does. But culturally, fat phobia, people don't get jobs because they're fat. People are, are mistreated much, much more because they're fat. Because to be thin is almost um, put on a pedestal, right? Because that's like what what the ideal is, is to be thin. So when you're fat, you're you're a glutton, you're lazy, and, and all of these uh, things are said. Or, or you're screwed up, something's wrong with you. Yeah, yeah. or you're mentally ill. You're and mentally, sometimes, yeah. yeah, sometimes it's not mental illness. Some people just don't know about nutrition. Like they don't even know... Primary example, I think the other day I shared my meal at Texas Roadhouse. There were people that thought that was 300 calories, 400 calories. It was like 1,400 calories. Um, For the record, I guessed 1,600 and it was 1,447. I was like, damn, pretty close. <laughs> yeah, 16, and 1,600 could have been accurate because that was a lot of cheese. I ended up scraping yeah. off most of the cheese. Uh, yeah. But but that if they if they don't know, if they've never had any experience with learning about that stuff, they they don't know. Yeah. And for the, for the people watching as a side note, cause this isn't the point of the conversation, but <laughs> it wasn't like some insane meal. You know, you, we, we see these diet plans and even some things on the internet, they're like, eat a thousand calories a day. Like it was an, it was a steak and broccoli with cheese on it. It was a beautiful meal. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's about 1600 calories, which is like for some people a whole day, especially if you're yeah. dieting. But um, anyway, that, that's the least of the discussion. I just want to <laughs> clarify since people watching or listening to this right now will have no idea what we're talking about. Like you're um, eating one meal that's 1400 calories. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. But that's actually not that crazy. This is why most people end up eating. I, I would think most people intuitively eat not on keto, probably around 3000, if not more, yeah. um, in the States. Um, but, um, yeah, it's very tricky. I know you brought up the um, the difference between sort of skinny shaming and fat shaming, and they're and they're different, and neither are okay. <laughs> That's the truth, right? Um, yeah. They're different, and neither are okay. I mean, we definitely have a problem. I think everyone would agree with um, sort of our culture's general obsession with how people look. One of the differences that you just said, though, is really key. When people are thin, it's sort of like oh, you know, I just have a fast metabolism or I've always been thin. I just have good genes. You know, when people are fat, it's like, what's wrong with you? Right. Um, and so I think there's a different tone. 
maybe we're biased, but I, I do feel there's a different tone. Um, and my partner is on the thin end and has felt bullied and has felt always insecure about his body, even though um, in my mind, I would kill to have his body. Um, <laughs> but but I see it. I live with both sides of this argument, quite literally. And so um, I think it's a very tricky topic. Um, but none of the shame is okay. You know, you mentioned though with um, with obesity, sometimes it's not that we're sick or mentally ill or messed up. But also, I can speak for myself, I'm not shaming this, but it wasn't until I identified a real trauma in my life that occurred um, in my 20s that was really the pinpoint to my weight gain no longer going from like, oh, I'm just a big boy to I'm damaging my body on purpose through eat, through food, through eating. Um, yeah. And that's been a journey through my adulthood, through the last 10 years that um, I, I'm still working through, through, through mental health support, through therapy and through things like that. There are some real traumas that I think can spark, not in every situation. So I guess what I'm doing is I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here. Not all weight gain or uh, obesity is caused by something being wrong or some trauma or some illness. Sometimes it is, though, and mental health um, can be a powerful tool. And, and I, I kind of believe that regardless of, of like weight loss, I think everybody should be in therapy. Um, Absolutely. That's just a that's just a personal thing. I think this idea that therapy is just for like people who are like damaged or are crazy or are mentally ill is, is such a fallacy. I think therapy is a really profoundly important thing. Um, but it, it took me till I was 30 years old to figure that out and to remove the shame because when I was a kid, I was forced into therapy and I thought it was like the worst thing in the world. Um, and so kind of finding a new connection to that in my adulthood was, a, was an important part of my journey. Um, but, you know, has that, and without anything personal, you know, without it giving away anything you're not comfortable with, has mental health been something that you've worked on or used as a tool through your journey? So just FYI, I have never gone to a therapist. That is okay. something I'm looking into because there are definitely mental health aspects in my journey that need to be worked on. Um, I have had a lot of trauma in my past and um, it's, you don't realize what, what I realized when I proactively started losing weight, I would have these emotional outbursts uh, and, and like bad ones. I would scream, I would cry and it was, mm. it was such an emotional immaturity that I had because I had stuffed those feelings down. I had kept, I just kept repressing them instead of actually dealing with it. And on my own, I have done some things that's, you don't get a reward for white knuckling. You don't get a, an, an award for like, um, not dealing with your stuff. Like therapy should be something you do. I think everyone would benefit from therapy. I just have not proactively done it, but I am currently looking for what the right steps for that for me personally are. But I mean, it's just like, you don't wait for your car to break down. You get your car service. Like you, you want hmm. to keep things going and, and be healthy 
before it becomes a problem. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and also like there's a lot of ways to deal with mental health that aren't just therapy either. Like if that's one of the tools that I use, but I'm sure you have other tools um, for your, for your own sort of health and wellness. And so I, I'm, I'm curious. And, and again, I'm not saying this in any space of judgment, just from my own personal experience, it was really a life changing thing for me. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, if, and when there's a day where you explore that outlet, you know, if it, if it's something that clicks with you and maybe it won't like not, you know, we're all so different and our journeys are different and we use different tools and different methods and there's no right or wrong here. I mean, the fact that you've, you've obviously done some incredible things with your life. Um, so that, that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've read a lot and I've really done some self work and some major inventory in my life. So I do therapeutic things. I just right. have not actually gone to a therapist, but I think that anyone would greatly benefit from that. There's no stigma. There's no shame in seeking therapy because I think every single person needs a therapist. But then again, um, it's not an accessible thing. You know, we're, we're in America. Right. The healthcare system's not the greatest. Correct. And I feel like that's a very important medical issue that should be covered. Uh, sometimes it's not covered very right. well. Yep. I'm dealing with that now. Uh, yeah. It's not covered in my insurance because the therapist I've worked with for years is not in the state since I moved and it's a whole big mess and it's like the accessibility is a problem. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm curious because it's something you mentioned too around food addiction and how you've sort of connected with somebody who had a actual, a, a drug addiction versus a food addiction. And it's sort of like, you would never just like tell a heroin addict like, oh, just put the needle down. It's just that easy. Um, and so this idea that food is addiction is not, um, treated the same way is somewhat surprising in many ways, um, as well as binge eating. And, and, and there seems to be a growing community around disordered eating. Of course. I mean, we know of sort of the big ones. We know of anorexia, we know of bulimia. Um, it feels like the obesity end of the disordered eating is somehow less discussed. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, because it's considered more of a, um, a moral failing to be obese mm. to me, like you should, you're, you're gluttonous. So you are do you're doing something wrong. Whereas it's not considered by some to be disordered. I mean, it is an, a legitimate, um, it's, it's a legitimate eating disorder. And I think it's just now people are starting to make that disconnect. I don't even want to bring this show up, but my 600 pound life, even though that is a terrible and exploitive show, it has, people have seen that it's not easy, that it does have addictive elements, that it, uh, it does stem from trauma. So it, a lot of people have made that trauma connection and a lot of people have made the addiction connection but it's still stigmatized. It's still considered something, you know, like how could you get, let it get this far. And people don't realize that obesity happens by inches. You're, you think I'll, I'll do better tomorrow. I'll wake up and do better tomorrow. And you just don't because it's so daunting to think about how far you have to go. Right. Well, and then on top of that, with a food addiction or with obesity or with weight gain in general, the problem is like, we still need to eat. 
<laughs> yeah, you can't give it, it up. You, you can't just like give it up. It's not like, you know, um, right. some addictions where it's like you don't have to gamble to survive. In other words, we're forced to face our problem two to three times a day, no matter what. And it it's it's not something we can just get away from. And that, again, sets this tone around like, we need this thing to survive. <laughs> this is our fuel. Yeah. This is our lifeline. But also, this is bad. Um, we need to learn control. And, and like, it's hitting our sensors every time. Like, especially with emotional eaters like myself. And it's not just, let me also just say, I think like a lot of people immediately latch on to like emotional eating as a negative thing in the sense of like, I'm stressed. I'm angry. But there's also like, I'm proud of myself. I want to eat. I'm, you know, uh, I did a good thing today. I'm going to eat. I'm feeling awesome. I, I'm going to treat myself. So there's both ends of the emotional eating spectrum and they totally. all kind of creep in every day throughout the day. <laughs> um, and we have to kind of face that. And it's it's very challenging, right? <laughs> right. So you're right. And and whenever I first started losing weight, that was a major mind shift for me because a lot of people will say, don't, I started doing keto. People are like, don't do keto. Keto is so restrictive. You should be able to eat things in moderation. But the problem is if you cannot moderate, and there's some of us that cannot, you would not yeah, tell an alcoholic to have a drink you just wouldn't do that. So why are you telling someone who is 567 pounds, well, you should be able to eat a brownie. No, because a brownie turns into an entire pan. <laughs> or well, like and then an a pan turns in, And then a pan turns into a week. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Because the spiral, it's never the one right. thing. It's always the spiral that gets you. Um, right. So what I really tried to do was have the mindset that, no, I cannot control. I have to eat. But I can control what's in my house. I can control what I'm having. So I really try my best to even because keto snacks can even bring on a me spiral too. for me oh if they're God, really me good. Too. Yes, yeah, absolutely. 100%. What, what are some of your offenders that'll just really make you spiral? It's, it's, um, it's really the sweets. Um, things like candy, some, especially some of these childhood things. So like Sour Patch Kids and some of the candies, I was like joking with Aaron. I'm like, consider me triggered when I see they're over. <laughs> the, you oh, know, the no. other day he was, oh, I was like so mad, but also like sitting there drooling through the phone. Um, no, there's definitely some triggers for me that involve like brownies, cookies, candy. And, and I don't have a sweet tooth, but those items are very, very triggering for me. Um, savory food, I have a much healthier relationship with it. I agree. If I can stick to fattier cuts of meat, lean, but you know, like leaner cuts of meat with added fat, yeah. vegetables, things like that, I feel great. Yeah. But you, especially like when you have birthday parties and things like that, you know, my kids are not keto uh, and I'm going to let them have their, I want my kids to have a much healthier relationship with food than I did. And sure. they do. Um, but with me, I can't just eat a cupcake. So it's easier for me to just not have it. And I've tried having a keto substitute and then I end up ultimately giving in and eating a cupcake. Cause it, 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 it was just sweet enough yeah. to where I'm like, this is sweet, but this isn't doing it for me. So I need the real thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's tricky. I, 
I generally try to stay away from even keto treats. It's really hard for me with my job being to cook <laughs> these things. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really hard because I want to create food. Like a lot of people need these, um, these treats to stay on track and it's very helpful to a lot of people. And so like, I want to be able to show people that like, like, I don't want food to be demonized. I, t- I talk about this in this podcast a lot too. Like, I don't think food is the enemy, but there's different ways that it shows its head for different people. And, um, you know, there's been a couple times this year where I was like working on a recipe and I would like nibble it. And then I threw the whole pan in the trash, which, which pains me to say it because I don't like food waste, but I knew that it couldn't be in my house. And it was a keto treat, but it had to go yeah. straight inside of the trash can so that I wouldn't be tempted. And my fiance was like, saw my post that was like, wait, 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 where are the brownies? I'm like, they're in the trash, buddy. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> Sorry. Like, they can't, they can't be on my countertop and they're keto, you know, um, yeah. because of the instant reaction and, and sugar is psychoactive. Like sugar is a drug. I think most people recognize that, but even when you eliminate actual sugar, I think a lot of the other sweeteners still create emotional responses that are just mm-hmm. as triggering, at least for me. Um, so it's, it's definitely a tricky thing. And, and I've, ha- I've had this conversation in different ways on, on the show where like, you know, it's like for people just starting keto, sometimes you need those training wheels. And then you, then as you keto longer or you get further into your weight loss and you develop healthier relationships with food, you might stop with this, the treats as much. Some people are the opposite. They need to go cold turkey off of all sweetness and then when they get healthier with their relationship with food, then they can start introducing keto snacks. And everybody's going to have to just kind of find that, I guess, um, which which yeah. kind of makes me curious for you. What has your keto looked like? You know, what's your sort of structure? You know, I don't want to say macros per se, because I think that can be a little bit tricky, too. But how do you, how do you do this? <laughs> I know that's a big question and I'm sure it's well, changed over time, but how do you do this? So whenever I first started with Brandon, who's my coach, um, he's a big keto proponent and I thought he was nuts when he put, he's like, Oh, I want you to do keto. Hmm. I think you could really change your life. I was like, this guy is crazy. I am not doing this, but I'm like, yeah, I'm doing it. Cause I want to change. And, um, my appetite was so extremely out of control that I knew that eating oatmeal and bananas and the healthy things didn't work for me. So when I first started with him, it was extremely strict. I was eating eggs, some spinach, cooking butter, um, lean cuts of meat with like added fat, just like really good clean stuff. And then I would do that for a few days and I'd binge and I'd do that for a few days and I'd binge. Um, And I still continued to lose weight because at that weight, you can eat a massive amount of food and still be in a calorie deficit. Um, as long well, as you're at least not from where you were adapted to, from where your body Correct. was expecting you to be. Right. Yeah. Because like I was eating, I don't even want to know how many calories. I've never sat down and actually thought about it, but I was eating an obscene amount of calories that weight. Um, and that's how I was able to gain like 150 pounds. And it was about a year and a half. I gained 150 mm-hmm. pounds. Um, And so as time went on, I was on Instagram, I was sharing things. So companies would send me something to try and and I would think, oh, okay, well, this is really cool. If I can have a chip or I can have a cookie or whatever, 
And so then things started kind of slowing down a little bit when I would add those things into my diet. And uh, I came to a point finally where I realized I was not going to lose weight anymore. Uh, I, I was eating too much to be in a calorie deficit and snacks were really contributing to that. It was so easy to overeat them and to abuse them. And so I pretty much stalled out and quarantine did not help because I started pretty much stalling then. And for an entire year, I pretty much stayed the same weight. I've just recently yeah. gotten to a point where I'm back in weight loss mode again. Well, can I just interrupt you to say that if you did not gain weight in 2020, you won. <laughs> so I well, just want to drop in that little trophy for you. <laughs> if you stayed the same in so, 2020, you're, you're alone in the world. But I, I know what you're saying. I, I also right. didn't lose weight. But I'm just But I did gain. <laughs> and it was really weird because what I did, yeah, I the gym shut down. Um, I had gotten down to 312 pounds. So I was really, really proud of that. And pretty much it was like quarantine, just all this stuff happened, started gaining weight and gaining weight, weight. And I got up yeah. to like 330 and I pretty much stayed there. And then I don't even remember what happened. I spiraled severely for like three weeks, like solid, uh, just ate whatever the hell I wanted. And I gained like 30 pounds in three weeks. It was extreme. And so my coach called me in and was like, we, we got to do something because this you know, you're not even the same person. Like, I don't know if it was just a mental, um, a severe depression or what, but he, he snapped me out of it basically. And ever since then, I've been working on consistency with not binging. I've been working on just trying to eat in a healthy, clean manner, instead of worrying about when I'm going to have a cheat meal or, um, you know, I've just been trying my best to eat whole nourishing ways and it's it's done wonders for me so far i've lost uh 20 something pounds so i'm almost back to where i was after the quarantine gain before the real spiral happened um but i still have a way to go before i'm back down to my lowest and i feel like there's not a time limit you know you just have to pick yourself up and dust yourself off and just keep on going yeah well yeah i, I also gained weight in 2020 and then I had to really get that in check um, and did, but it's, it's not easy. Um, no. it, it's really frustrating. Um, I think it's actually heartbreaking. Um, when I stepped on the scale right after New Year's, um, I cried. I really cried because I hadn't been on a scale because I knew it had gone up. I, I could tell, but I didn't want to know the number. And it was worse than I thought. Yeah. And um, I called one of my best friends and just cried it, because you work so hard. Losing weight is, I think, one of the hardest things in the world to do. Um, and so it just feels not only frustrating, like that you've gained weight back, but it fe you can't help but kind of feel like down on yourself. Like I I'm a failure. I messed up. Like the negative self-talk comes in, which then makes it harder to get back on track. And it's like this, that negative spiral is real, which is probably what I'm hearing a little bit of from you. I felt that when you said like, there was like this three weeks where I don't even know who I was. Something and I didn't happened. go to the gym and that that's right. not me. Even in my worst days, I'll go to the gym. And even if I'm weak, 
and I'm inflamed and I'm hurting, or I've put on a massive amount of weight, I'll still go to the gym. I didn't even want to go to the gym. So I didn't even recognize myself. Um, and Brandon, I think he really realized because I'm, I'm the strong one, right? Like I should be able to handle things. So Brandon tends to kind of let me do my own thing as far as like what I eat, how I eat, how I move, because he knows I can, that I don't need that much assistance. Well, it got to a point where he didn't even realize how bad off I was. And then when he did, it was like, oh, okay, let me, let me swoop in here and give you a little bit of support because I can't have you, um, just dipping out and not being, you know, not being yourself. And, um, it sucked and I will never go, I will never go back to that again. That when I got out of that fog, I was like, Oh no, I'm, I'm never letting myself spiral to that point ever again. Yeah. Good for you for saying that, that you're never going to let yourself do that. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I know, fully expect to have a, to, to mess up. That's not to say that, but sure. even if I have to crawl my ass to the gym <laughs> on all fours, like there will never be a point where I miss the gym for three weeks ever again. Do you, uh, do you enjoy going to the gym or do you enjoy the feeling of that you're doing it? Is that, does that make any sense? Do you actually enjoy the working out or do you go because you want to prove something to yourself? So it's weird because there's days I look forward to going. And then there's days where it sounds like the worst possible thing I could ever do. Uh, and, mm. and often whenever it's been one of those days where it's the last thing I want to do, I will get on and I will say, this is the last thing I wanted to do was to be here. And the process itself, I don't hate working out. I love what it does for me. But like, who really wants to be sweaty? Who really wants to, <laughs> to uh, lift heavy weights and sometimes potentially, you know, be sore and be hurting? Um, but I think that when I started looking at it as, as a, a, not a weight loss tool, but something where I'm like, wow, I can do this now. Or, wow, I can uh, lift this amount of weight. When I started seeing victories in the physical things I could do. Um, was when a major mind shift change happened for me. I I, I enjoy it now, but the, but but not every day. Um, there's yeah. there's definitely days I would rather sit on the couch. I mean, I'd rather sit on the couch all the time. <laughs> but sure. I do feel I do feel accomplished after I get done um, yeah. with my workout, and I feel the happy chemicals as I like to call them. Uh, that's a natural way of getting those endorphins and feeling good. Yeah, I mean, good for you. I feel like I hate the gym, but I've been unpacking lately if that's actually true or what that's coming from. I think the gym feels like a, doesn't feel like a safe space for me yet. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've, I haven't experienced like a direct feeling of this, but it feels sometimes like, you know, um, a judgmental space. Like there's all these people who are buff and ripped and running and it doesn't necessarily feel like an easy place to go when you're not in ideal shape sometimes. Um, I don't know if you've ever felt judged or out of place or how that's been for you. Right. So, but you brought up a great point because you have to realize my gym, um, my coach started working with morbidly obese people and he realized, wow, there's not a gym 
for the, it was hard to get people into the gym, right? Because of exactly what you're saying, people right. don't want to be judged. They don't want to be treated badly. And they are by the fitness industry. Um, yeah. So Brandon actually opened up prescription fitness and it's all, all of us are obese. So when you go mm -hmm. in there, everyone's in the same, they might not be in the same boat because I've been there three years, right? There's, there's weights I can lift. There's rope slams. There's things I can do that I never would have been able to do three years ago. There's things I can do now that I wouldn't be able to do a year ago. Um, but they see us, they see where I've come from and they know that they can get there and they will get there if they stick with it long enough. Um, so it's just a very supportive and loving environment and not all gyms are like that. So it's very, very hard. Wow. I didn't, so, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that was available. And it just, it, that sounds incredible that, they, that you can create a safe space. It, as you were talking and you said, like you feel seen, you would also, that's the second time you've said something like that. You also earlier in the conversation said when you're very obese, you feel invisible. I, at the same time, there's an, you stick out like a sore feel, thumb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's this, this complete contrast um exactly you, you feel invisible you feel worthless but also you feel like everybody's eyes are on you and not in a good way and um that is a real challenge and um and so i i really admire that you get up every day and you do that and that you found a safe space i think that's a nice little nugget of information for anybody potentially listening right now like if you don't feel safe if you don't feel seen or you feel too seen <laughs> at the gym, maybe find another gym right? <laughs> or, and, or find and an environment I, that makes sense. Yeah. And, and there's places, I don't know if curve still exists, but there's, there's places that are less harsh um, than your standard gyms are, you know, and a lot of CrossFit gyms, I don't know if you've ever gone to a CrossFit gyms. Yeah. It's very, making me bite my nails thinking about it. <laughs> Not not the supportive part. It's just like I don't think I could walk the next day, and I I never went back. Um, yeah, it's it killed hard. me. Yeah, I think also like I was trying to pretend like I could keep up with everybody and really hurt myself actually because oh, I wasn't that there. Sucks. Um, and it was a beginner's class, which is like, see, this has been my experience with a lot of fitness that I've tried to get myself into. Is I feel like I'm just so behind. Um, so I, I, I had a, a again, if, if this isn't obvious, I like ride your stories <laughs> on Instagram. There was, um, it was a few weeks ago you, and I hope this isn't like too personal to share, but you were, um, taking a video in the car and you were talking on your Instagram stories. It was dark out and you were like, um, I think you actually were in tears and you, you, you said something that really shook me. Um, I'm gonna. I know what you're talking words. about. Yeah, I think <laughs> you said. I'm getting emotional um, just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's pain in transformation. I think is what you said. Um, yeah. And, and also, and I don't want to. I don't want to be sad. Or, you know, I don't want to make. <laughs> you know, I don't want you to be sad. But there's pain in transformation, and you were also talking about how you go back to the gym day after day, and there's people who are not back. Yeah. And that sucks and, uh, when you lose somebody, um, when you lose somebody who's given up on themselves and, and we've actually lost members of our gym. Um, we have lost 
three that I know of. Um, and that's because they lost their battle before they could get, you know, before they could get healthier. And, and some of them left before they could get healthier. And then some of them were in the midst of trying and they were taken before they got to the other side. And, um, and honestly, I just wish, I, I think one of the things I had said, I wish I could give a pill to people who feel so tired and worn out and just feel like it's impossible. I wish I could give them a pill to where they could feel one day how they would feel if they stuck with it for any length of time, you know, cause if you, if you could see how good you would feel, if you could really believe that it was possible, then you would have some kind of idea what you're fighting for. If you have no idea, if it seems impossible to you, you can't fight for it if you don't even think it's possible because you've tried a million times, right? Well, if you've tried to lose weight a million times and you've failed a million times in your brain, you don't think it's possible. I mean, if I had not had Brandon as an accountability, like for accountability purposes and, and him tell me, I remember him, I passed out um, at the gym and I remember standing up and I don't know if I can cuss on here. So maybe just bleep me out. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, <laughs> I remember him saying, he looked me in the eye and he said, you're a fucking champion. And wow. no one had ever said that to me in my life. So I just started crying and I said, thank you. Like he made me believe that I could before I believed in myself. And, and that's why I just think he's one of the most amazing people on earth. And I feel like I do owe him my life. He would never take credit for that. He would say, well, you're the one that did the work, but accountability is very, very important. And I think it's, it's okay to need accountability. We don't talk about that enough. It's not that you're a failure. You just haven't found the right accountability to hold you to what you need to do. Yeah. You got my eyes. You got my eyes Sorry. right now. Um, it's, it's like hard to put it all together, but yeah, um, it's 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 uh it's it's intense. It is, and all of this it's is intense. so emotional, and it's so yeah. when you get to talking about it, there are a lot of big feelings with all of this, so it's it's okay. Yeah, I I always um feel like there's a there's a how do i how do i say this it's like there's a it hurts to be heavy um and so like for me that's what that was my why um it wasn't that i want to look different i, I always wanted to look different right like i crash dieted once before lost some weight gained it right back like i've yo-yoed um it wasn't until there was a day that i'm like i don't want to hurt anymore and like physically yes. or mentally i don't want to hurt anymore um i don't want to feel judged i don't want to feel like i'm less than and so like that that was my why that was the pill that you wish you could give those people but you know i am not claiming to have gone through a journey um you know for people that might have trouble getting out of their house or, you know, living a life that was set with challenges. And I recognize that, and I'm not trying to compare myself um, to anybody or anybody's journey, but I understand pain and I understand triumph. And, um, so what that, that story when your coach looked at you and said, you are a fucking champion, like just instantly yeah, like, just... <laughs> just brought something. Cause I don't, I don't know if anyone's really said that to me either. Um, <laughs> 
but uh, it's really powerful stuff. I, you know, I think also a lot of people, it takes an immense amount of strength and willpower and it's just hard. It's hard. It's like, there's a pain to being heavy. There's also a pain to go through the battle of losing that weight. And that's why when you said like, there's a pain to transformation. You are forced to confront yourself in a way that never happens. It's never happened in my life in this way, where you're like really forced to kind of confront yourself for your good and your bad and your weak and your strong and like all of it. You're really forced to confront it. Um, you really start to realize like willpower is not enough. Willpower only lasts so long. Um, you really start to realize how strong you can be in those strong moments and how weak you really are in the weak moments. It is a fucking journey. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, and so, yeah, there's pain and transformation. There's, there's a lot. There's also triumph. The other side of this is that I have a theory and I'm curious your thoughts on this, but I think that there's like almost a, fear of success in weight loss because then what what happens if we do love ourselves and we do take care of ourselves? then what maintenance is an exhausting thought for me i feel like i will basically have to diet for the rest of my life in order to not gain my weight back that's a fear of mine. I mean, I'm, I'm nowhere near done. Like today I weighed and I was 344 pounds. Um, so maintenance is a long way for me to be happy, but I feel like I've asked, I don't know if you follow Gourmet, Gourmet Goes Keto. Cause mm, yeah, of course. oh my God, he has a hell of a story to tell. But with Gourmet, he talks about that. How I said, well, what do you think? I was like, was losing the weight or maintenance harder? He said, oh, maintenance is a thousand times harder. It's about really? and I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't don't tell that. me that. <laughs> yeah, don't tell me that. Yeah. Oh my don't God. tell me that. But what he meant by it was like, no, no one does want to be on a diet for the rest of their life. You want to get to a point where it's intuitive. You want to get to a point where you're not tracking daily. You want to get to a point and, and all that stuff takes practice. And I think he's getting to where it's getting to be more because uh, he he's recently stopped losing weight. I mean, I, I guess within what he's probably been maintaining for like a year. Um, and he's had ups and downs because all of us have during COVID. But mm -hmm. he's getting to a place where it's it's, I think, more balanced. And I hope I can get there one day because I don't want to count macros for the rest of my life. I want to have right. a little more food freedom. Um so I think that's a legitimate fear and that's something to be concerned of. But I tend to self-sabotage when I think too long and too hard about that. Uh, right. Right. And I don't want to well, do that anymore. Even, no, no. And like even your your point, we're, we're saying the same thing in that regardless of what word we put on it, maintenance or weight loss, it's a long, I think for, for a lot of people, it's it feels like we're just never truly gonna be skinny or something like there's this yeah. battle that we're just in for the rest of our life and so it's kind of like i battle myself 
Okay, so I'll just like use myself as the as the guinea pig in the conversation because it's like I've been kind of at this weight now for about a year and a half or so. I kind of did a year and a half of hardcore weight loss, lost 80 pounds, and now I've been sort of ebbing and flowing um, up a little up and then I'll lose it in a little up. But I've kind of just like been riding about here. So I'm, I'm in a general state of maintenance, but I'm not where I want to be. Um, I don't think I'm happy with where I'm at. But it's like, this sort of seems to be my set point. This sort of seems like where my body is like kind of okay with it. I mean, if I overeat and I go back into bad habits, it does go right back up. But generally, this sort of feels like where my body wants me to be, not where I want me to be. And so I get into my own head about like, am I going to push myself to the next level? Or am I just going to kind of find a way to accept myself at this weight? Accept that I'm healthy at this weight and just focus on staying here the rest of my life. And it just, it all feels very heavy and it all feels very long term. You know, like if I can be this weight uh, for six more years till my 40th birthday, (laughs) I think that would be awesome. But like that's exhausting on its own to think about that and to think about putting in so much work and potentially backtracking. I think it just all feels heavy. So how do you kind of you just said it like if you get in your head about it, it's it's a bad thing. How do you deal with that? How do you kind of get out of your head and get out of your own way when it comes to understanding this stuff as a long war, not a three month battle or a one year battle? I think the one thing I did that really changed around this time as I embraced the fact that it would be a rest of my life process. Um, I, I would, I would always, because of how severe my, my particular food issues are, I think it's something I'm always going to have to be cognizant of. Um, and, and that's the recovery piece, like, right. a, you know, and like addiction, you're always going to be in exactly. recovery, so to speak. Right. And so, um, when I kind of let go of the fact that this didn't have an endpoint, it gives you a certain amount of freedom um, because I feel like even mm. in maintenance, there's work to be done or there's there's things you have to work on. So it's more like, well, where am I happy? I don't know that you ever fully become happy because you're you're like a constant project that you're working on for the rest of your life. Um, at least that's how I look at myself because I don't have a goal weight. Because I know as soon as I come up with a goal weight, then I'm going to get to the goal weight and I'll be like, well, that's not what, what it's yeah. a constant self-improvement journey. And then that goes way beyond your weight. Hmm. Yeah. That I mean, goes so your true. mental health, your physical health, right. everything. Right. And often our goal weights are sort of arbitrary anyway. <laughs> yeah. And they can but, change because you get to a certain yeah. weight that you thought oh, I wouldn't have been happy here. And maybe that is the weight that feels good to you. Or maybe you're just tired and you need to rest because I feel like that there's moments and times where um, we're stuck. And it was like, well, you weren't really stuck. You just kind of needed to sit for a minute with this and see if you kept, is this where you're settling or, or do you want to go further? You know, like, I think it's okay to do that from time to time. Just stop losing weight. I mean, um, Losing weight is daunting. Changing our bodies yeah. is a very daunting task. And it's okay to take breaths and to reevaluate and see where we are and if we're happy with that or if we just keep going. Yeah, for sure. It's it's extremely daunting, which is why kind of recognizing our victories is really important, whether small or large. 
Um, you know, I think that a lot of these goal weights and things are can sometimes be a trap because it's like we still have to kind of find a way to love ourselves, and 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 I think that's a challenging thing when we're very heavy. We don't like what we see in the mirror. We don't like how we feel. And so we think, oh, if I lose 50 pounds, 100 pounds, that will fix it. And then we get there and our inside still feels the same. But also when you lose weight, there's other things about your body that like I'm at the weight I was in college, but I don't look like I did when I was in college, (laughs) you know, so it's sort of a funny um, it's a trap in a little bit in that sense. Um, and so that's what I was, it's, it's, it's like a very challenging thing. Cause even for me, I'm still trying to understand, like, should I push myself to lose more weight? Will that really change anything in my life? If I'm healthy now, maybe I need to work on the inside for a while and then we can readdress this later <laughs> or whatever. And so I'm, I'm myself and kind of figuring this out. Um, and I'm curious if you've kind of hit moments where you had that moment where you're like is this enough for now are there other things that i want to work on have you been there before i don't know i i think that along the way i've had moments where i had to work through things and this mm-hmm. is such a long process i don't think i've really reached the spot yet where it comes to being happy because still at my particular weight that I'm at and this means to all the other 344 pound folks out there that I am not talking to you I'm talking about me specific um I have not reached a point where stopping is in any way um something I could consider like I I have because it's it's still a real major health issue for me particularly I mean not that I've had any major I've been incredibly lucky um, I haven't had that many major health scares, but let's face facts, you know, carrying a lot of extra weight is an unhealthy thing. Yeah. According to some, <laughs> you have to be careful. Right. <laughs> Afraid I'm going to piss right. somebody off. Um, but it hasn't well, we're, happened We're going to get to that next. <laughs> we'll get to that next. <laughs> but, but oh. You're wanting to step on all kinds of toes, aren't you? Yeah, why not? <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't think I've reached that yet. But if it comes to where like I hit 220 pounds, 230 pounds, and I lift like a badass, and I'm happy with my life, and I'm not in pain, and I feel pretty healthy, maybe that's where I stop. You know, maybe because I always right. said, well, I'd like to be under 200. I've seen some pretty damn good looking 220, 230 pound women that I'm like. Okay. Yeah. You know, you're a badass. I I would love to look like you. Um, Not that I have any expectations, but I'm just saying that like, we don't know where life carries us. I haven't reached that point yet though. Yeah. Well, you, I I was sort of wondering if this would, if this would come up, but this (laughs) kind of plays into a little bit of what I'm talking about, but um, I have sort of observed and and this isn't about us. So I want, I want to detach you or me from the conversation a little bit, but in, in main street media, main street, mainstream media, um, and social media, I've really observed, um, an amazing transformation the last couple of years around the topic of body positivity and body acceptance. 
um, it's come a long way. Um, I have some friends who are avid uh, body positivity like kind of activists and are very loud and proud about their big bodies and are super vocal and it's empowering to see. Um, I think I'm curious your relationship with this idea because, you know, it's like as long as you're healthy, big bodies are beautiful. This and that. there's so much language that gets spun around and it feels like on the internet you can't win because if you're proud of your body, you're promoting unhealthy behaviors. If you're not proud of your body and you want to lose weight, like we saw this with Lizzo, you're, you know, fighting against this battle of like body acceptance. And if you're too skinny, you're, you know, it's like, I feel like maybe especially as a woman um, in, in a public facing environment, you on social media and stuff, it feels like there's no true winning and it's frustrating to watch. Um, what has this experience been like for you, you know, just to kind of, as an observer of this wave of body positivity and, you know, it's like, what do we, what do we do here with this discussion? Cause we're in a sort of weight loss or health centered niche being kind of a part of the keto community online. Um, I don't know. I just kind of curious your perceptions around this. So it's hard because I love body positive. I love that we can have people on covers of magazines that are representative. I feel like fat phobia is a real problem. And I love a lot of the ideas in the body positive community. Um, but where it gets problematic is when you tell me what the hell I can do and can't do with my body. I have a very big problem hmm. with that. Um, I feel like body positivity should represent being comfortable in the skin that you're in and embracing the body that you're in now. Um, part of embracing and loving yourself for me is being healthy, is being as healthy as I can and working on my health and fitness journey. And I feel like I just want to be respected that that's a choice that I can make. Like I can do something about it and I'm proactively doing something about it. And just like, I would, I would, I love that you have the freedom to be expressive and to um, have people to accept and love you because everyone deserves to be respected and loved and to not mis be mistreated regardless of your shape or size. At the same time, I've seen a whole lot of toxic uh, behaviors and things in the body positive community. But the problem is there's, there's a big blanket and and a lot of things fall under that umbrella, right? So you've got people that are really, really toxic. And then you have people that look at body positivity like, oh, I just, you just love yourself. That's the point. Regardless of what you're doing or if you're changing your body, whatever. Because you can, two things can be true at the same time, right? Like you can love yourself and still want to change and to still want to be better if that's how you view better. If you view better yeah. working on yourself and staying the same, more power to you. Um, so I feel like it's just, well, in fact, in fact, loving yourself, in fact, loving yourself actually helps empower yourself to make change. They're not exclusive items. You're not one or the other. You don't either exactly. love yourself or want to make a change. They actually go right. together better than we think. Yeah. But it, it's, I've gotten a whole lot of, um, I've gotten a whole lot of people that, that'll think that, 
being on a health and fitness journey is somehow problematic. And I, I just can't get behind that. Um, but as far as I, I love the body positive community, it's just, yeah. you know, because here's the thing, people have just been so mistreated for so long that they, and, and it does happen. I've seen people when, when, uh, a morbidly obese woman say like, just test holidays the, the or glitter and lasers, you know, people who are just beautiful women. Um, I've seen people like, how, how dare you dress like that? Um, you oh, shouldn't yeah. be showing Horrible your stuff. body. Horrible stuff. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's BS, you know, and that's strictly because they're fat. They're in a fat body and they have the audacity to eat cake or be happy. Um, so there, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, it's tough. Well, and it's it's just such um uh, an unfortunate situation because they, like you said, and I think it's I think you really nailed it. You can be body positive and still choose to make a change for the better for yourself if that's what that means to you. Right. Um, a, you know, uh, I watched a really good friend of mine who's very, uh, very into body positivity and is a as an account really in that space, um. And I've read some of the horrible comments uh, that she'll get before, really just by being her, by being in a bikini or whatever, um, that somehow it's, you know, inappropriate for a heavy person to be in a bathing suit. Um, and somehow it's okay if you're skinny to be in a bathing suit. But then she once posted like this keto box and she's not keto she posted like some keto thing that she got and her body positivity community really shunned her um in a really fascinating way um i say fascinating so i don't use another f word (laughs) um you know because it's like and that and that's what i mean like why does wanting to lose weight mean you you can't also love yourself. In fact, like for me personally, it wasn't until I decided to love myself that I actually started losing weight. Um, right. So I think they fit really nicely together, in fact. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's a it's a really interesting conversation and we'll see how it unfolds, right? Yeah, and the thing is with keto specifically, I've actually had people who were keto, stopped being keto, and then they they turned into this like the biggest anti keto zealots, and then they'll send me messages like, "Why are you so keto? That's disordered." And I'm like, "Do you understand mm. that I do a ketogenic diet because it's the only way? Like, if I went back to carbohydrates, and I'm talking how anywhere near where I used to eat, I would I would be so sluggish and tired, and I would feel so yeah. terrible." I wouldn't move. You cannot convince me I would be better off eating all that stuff. Um, And it's kind of like, that's why I believe so much in personal freedoms and just live and let live and people let people do what they want to do and do what's best for them because we're all so different. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We have to let go of that um, mentality of like what worked or didn't work for me, like (laughs) has to be pushed on everybody else. Um, Cause I'm sure I'm sure that's just not the case. And even within keto, I think there's a lot of 
expectation. I don't think the keto space is always 100% healthy either in terms of no. the community <laughs> and the aspects. And that like we do unpack some of that here like on this show because I think it's important to talk about it. Um, you know, if you you know, if you really wanted to, if somebody listening right now, like just is feeling overwhelmed and doesn't know where to start, um, whether that's with diet or, you know, kind of mindset or decision-making, do you have any advice, um, for somebody who is ready to make a change, but just doesn't really know how to start? So I know for me personally, the first thing that my trainer told me to do was drink 96 ounces of water a day. And I thought he was insane. I, I said, what's that going to do? I was waiting for my meal plan. He said, if you can't drink 96 ounces of water a day consecutively and build that habit, you're not going to be able to stick with a weight loss plan. Wow. And, and I want to say it was a week. I had lost seven pounds strictly from adding water to my diet. Um, I'm going to have a sip of water right now. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and uh, I thought, wow, okay. So he had me to do that, I think, for two weeks total. And then he told me to make my first meal of the day carbless. And then I had to do that for a week. And then the next week he told me, okay, we'll try your second meal with only 10 net carbs. And then I got used to that. And it was a slow build and a slow progression how many times have you gone on something extreme or done something extreme and then you just end up falling off because it's not a sustainable thing. Sustainability looks different for everybody, but I can tell you that going from eating several thousand calories a day to eating 1400 a day is not going to be something you're going to want to do. So just yeah. work on removing things from your diet, eating to satiety. Like if you're eating proteins and you're eating broccoli just you don't have to be keto i'm just saying if you want to be um that it's very easy to be sated by eating meat and fatty cuts of meat and proteins and things of that nature um for a while anyway <laughs> like i i it kills me i used to track so heavily and i think i could have eaten and not tracked on keto for the first year and probably would have lost weight if I had just eaten to fullness at the time. Hmm. But I was so obsessed with tracking that I would track. And then if I went over my calories, I thought, well, I might as well just go ahead and, you know, finish the day off strong with something sweet <laughs> or, you know, right. um, instead of just having something, and going a little bit over my calories that day and not being perfect and just continuing on the next day. Hmm. Small tweaks lead to great, great peaks. I love that. That's yeah. Brandon, Brandon Glor. That's my coach. He, um, he always says that he tells everybody. And he also, he told me, you know, it was like when you're driving down the highway, yeah, at night, you don't see the whole highway. You just see the first five feet in front of you. You know, the lights are on. You don't worry about the deer that's a hundred miles down the road. You only worry about the first five feet because that's all you can see. And um, mm. yeah, just don't be overwhelmed by thinking about the, the monumental amount of weight that you have to lose. Because it's, I'll have people message me, Michael, and it makes me really sad. I, I had a woman, uh, she was just over 200 pounds, and she's like, I feel ridiculous sending you a message. 
because you you're so much bigger than me and i said we're all fighting the same battle some some people's battles might be shorter some people's might be longer but you're still fighting a battle um i I don't judge you uh you're just looking for help and if you're not happy I, I I just would hate to think someone would be like, how dare you send me a message? Uh, you've only got 30 pounds to lose. It's all still a battle for somebody and we're all still different. Yeah. We're all just trying to walk each other home, you know? Yeah. Well, and mathematically speaking, I like, like if you think about weight as a percentage, um, you know, me losing 80 pounds at in the mid three, 300s is a huge percent. Exactly. Um, and so like a 200 pound person wanting to lose 30 pounds is a huge percent. Um, and they're going to lose anyway. weight slower and less. And, yeah, and, exactly. and I think that's, that's why it's problematic for people to judge other people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, how do you deal now? Um, Cause you know, I, I want to leave our viewers with some sort of practical tools, like a tool belt. Um, how do you deal with your, um, you know, your triggers, cravings, binges, what's your methodology around taking control of that? So right now I haven't had a binge in, um, it's been several weeks since I've had one. Um, one thing that helps me is I try not to keep anything in the house. that's tempt, you know, tempting my husband, okay. he'll, he still eats cookies, he still eats chips and things like that. But I've told him. Um, can you please eat those outside of the house? Cause it's not something I feel like I can have in here. And he does it. And I feel like if you have a loving and supporting partner, that's not a lot to ask, uh, but I do realize that we're all not as blessed to have that. Um, yes, but you, it, you have to ask. Um, I've had to yeah. ask my partner. Um, I think some people who don't either aren't on the same kind of journeys that we're on or just don't know if you don't ask. Um, I think right. sometimes people are afraid to ask their significant others or their kids. I, I've been, I've heard from people who say like my kids, uh, you know, they'll write me and say, look, I'm, I'm all about keto. My kids just like want to eat what they want to eat, but it's in the house. The snacks are in the house. I'm like, how old are your kids? 14 and 16. Well, have you asked them? Yeah. And um, I think I, having a real conversation about it is right. very, very important. Right. Right. And, and asking for help, I think is hard for people. Um, I think it's hard to be vulnerable too. I remember when I first started, uh, my weight loss this time, the real one, (laughs) um, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't even tell people like when I started an Instagram, uh, I had like some anonymous name to it. No pictures of me. It was just food because I was like still loving to cook and wanted to share that. But I didn't want anybody in my life. I didn't even tell my, my fiance for like two maybe two, three weeks into the journey. Like he'll just eat whatever I cook. So he didn't really notice anything (laughs) different when there was no rice. Um, But I just started like, just like you said, I just started making small changes, taking out the desserts, taking out the rice. And then two weeks later, no bread. And then two weeks later, um, you know, cut back on the fruits that I, that aren't as um, keto friendly, I guess I should say. But um, I didn't even tell anybody. I didn't tell my family. I don't think I told anybody until I was at least like 30 pounds in or something. And I was like, wait, maybe I can do this this time because you're filled with self-doubt. You're filled with vulnerability. And I didn't want to ask for help because I thought asking for help was like a sign of weakness or something. And so I love what you just said. 
um, that you asked your husband, like, look, you eat the cookies and chips all you want. I'm asking you not to do it in the house. Um, right. I love that. It's a, it's such a small tip, but I think it needs to be reiterated. Like it's, it's really important. I feel like it's part of a healthy relationship too, because I'll have people hmm. tell me, well, I could never do that. And I think, well, well, why not? And they're like, well, they wouldn't do that. And it makes me wonder, it's like, well, are you in that healthy? Cause you don't want to tell people, wow, you're in a very toxic relationship. Like you don't want to judge people, but at the same time, like if you can't have that conversation, like I feel like I'm dying, I need you. And, and, and Brad, you know, my husband saw how bad off I was. Um, Sure. And he wants you to be happy and healthy. Yes. And he wants me and he will even, and I know it's so hard for him. uh, One night I told him this has been, oh gosh, it's probably been about a year ago. I texted him. I said, I had a bad day. I need you to get me this and this and this from the store. I'm going, I'm, I'm binging. And he texted me back and he said, are you sure you want to do that? He would never tell me no, but he loved me Mm. enough to say, are you sure that you want to do that? And then about 10 minutes later, I texted him. I was like, no, I don't want any of it. I'm just going to the gym instead. And I was pissed off. The entire time I was at the gym, I was throwing weights around, um, but I did it. And like, it wasn't perfect. Like, I guess perfect would have been maybe I'm like, oh no, I don't need that. Well, no, I was angry. I didn't handle it well mentally, um, but I I came out the other side of it and I was grateful um, right. that he had the guts. Like, I didn't, I didn't take it out on him. I was angry at myself that that was even something that I had texted him and put him into that kind of position uh, to do for me. Um, sure. But it know. did force you to, it, it forced you that one extra moment to say, wait, wait, wait. That, that one you hesitation. Know, and sometimes that that's, one that's what we need. I wonder if yeah. we can even do that for ourselves sometimes, like pause and think, do I really want to do this? Um, you know, if we're standing at the fridge or because like I can binge eat on keto things, too. Yeah. It's, Me too. It, you know, it's not this like like I gained weight last year eating keto. Keto doesn't necessarily just automatically mean weight's falling off. We could you know, right. go we can, and I eat pretty much whole foods only. I don't even really eat anything packaged. I don't really have keto sweets other than if I bake it once in a while. Um, I don't do keto cereals or bars or anything. I can still gain weight because I binge on cheese. I binge on other things that are still calorie dense. Yes. And it can add up. Um, I but I, I, lo- I love this idea um, of like asking for help. And and I've, I've also heard people say, like, you know, even with your husband, your wife, fine. But what happens when you are getting happy hour with your with your with your friends and you have three or four of your best friends at the table and they're ordering nachos and stuff. But it's like, I bet for most people, if you asked your best friend or whatever you, you know, you're eating with, will you do this with me? Can we just do wings for one happy hour? I bet they would. And if they wouldn't. You might want to ask yourself some other questions about that friend too, if they really right. want you to be. I see you nodding over there. <laughs> is this hitting? Is this striking a sensitive spot? I mean, I see you nodding. Well, because I have in the past, I've had people to try to talk me into when I've told them I don't want something. I've had people to literally try to talk me into ordering things, and you have to you mm. have to ask yourself with those relationships. 
is this person trying to express love because I think that they think that I want this? Do they want they, do they want to give me permission to have something that they think that they know that I would want? Or are they legitimately trying to derail my progress? And so it's really, really a mind. Uh, it's a mind huh? F, you know, it really yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and it's and, where it's and, not. I don't think most friends want us per se to fail, but it's a it's a it's a it's definitely a lack of understanding at yeah at minimum at minimum um i think that one of the things that i think keto people there's a reason why there's like this sort of keto community that i think is a little different and unique um amongst like other corners of the internet is that there's some understanding we may all have different journeys we're not all here for weight loss we're not all here for dramatic weight lists or that there's a lot of different reasons. There's people here for, you know, for health, for other things, but there's some understanding of like, we get each other in some weird way, or at least you find people who do. Have you found that? You know what I'm saying? Like Gourmet, you mentioned or whatever. It's like, you find the people who get it. Yeah. Well, and people, um, fat dad keto, I don't know if you follow him, but we were just talking about how, it's so weird how so many of us are so bonded, but we are so vastly different. Like people that mm. you probably would not have any way of knowing or meeting and a common bond of how you eat has formed these wild friendships from, and, I, and some of my best friends like Aaron, I love Aaron so much. And I feel like, you know, I have all these friends all over the country that, oh, oh, uh, food, the food, the food is the tie that binds. And it's so odd because yeah, maybe I wouldn't be friends with you. Maybe I wouldn't be friends with Aaron. Maybe I wouldn't be friends with Michael. Um, but y'all are some of my best friends. You're, I, I have friends on the internet that I have never met in person that are, I'm closer to and can tell more than right. friends I have in real life. And it's very odd yeah. to me how just being keto has bonded us like that. I know. I think about it a lot, but I think there, I, in my mind, at least, I think it's because of what we're talking about. I think there's a unique sort of, uh, we've been through this same battle together thing. Yeah. <laughs> now that's not to well, say like there's some, some corners of keto web that I don't feel any connection to. Um, yeah. I'm sure you're the same in that way too, but there, but there's definitely, you find your people um, in a different way than like I've ever felt in my life around like just my normal mix of friends from different walks of life. I think especially like, you know, the accounts I usually bond the most with are people that have dealt with losing weight or, you know, those are the people that I kind of, I, I, I do follow people that do therapeutic keto for other reasons and mm -hmm. I find them interesting, yeah. but I think we're all just we're just the bonded fat kids that found each other and uh, love each other. And we, we all have similar stories, like regardless of where you are on that spectrum, we can all identify with each other. So that's kind of my niche and my corner of the keto is people that do do it for weight loss. Um, yeah. I love you it. know, and, and there yeah. seems to be a real issue, which I don't want to get too deep into it, but. You know, so I, I understand why people look down on keto sometimes because you do have some of the zealots and <laughs> and people whose 
politics don't quite align with who I am as a person and um yeah. and and it's very privileged and and that I don't like but there's a whole lot of us that are just good-hearted and loving people and um that's the side of my keto that I'm that I those are my people me too and I'm so <laughs> glad I found you because of it yes um well we and we we got we we got sidetracked which is good because that's what's funny about these conversations I never know where it's going um I never planned any of this out I, I didn't have any questions planned or anything but I asked you um uh, you know, sort of practical ways that you have found that help you catch yourself before like a binge um, or a trigger. And you had mentioned like getting things out of the house. I love that. We'd also talked about like asking for help, um, taking a moment of pause maybe and just thinking, like asking the question your husband asked you, but asking yourself. Any yes. other practical tools you can think of that you've kind of put into your practice? I think also coming, distraction is okay. Um, taking a moment to break that cycle. I, I feel like it's hard to break a bad habit if you don't have a good one in its place. So like when that thought occurs to you, maybe that's just your natural, you get about five good seconds to turn it around and maybe you go for a walk instead of caving into that. Maybe that's when you call your mom your dad, your best friend. Um, maybe mm. you find an accountability partner that you can text. And just this, just the idea, or I'll tell you a primary example. I have a friend on Instagram and he'll say, I did X, Y, Z. And it'll, you know, he could tell me he had a binge or whatever. And to keep each other from spiraling, we'll say, hey, it's done. You can't change it. Let's turn it around right now. And this is what you're going to do to get back on track. So it's kind of like we motivate each other with those texts to just keep each other accountable. Or or he can text me and say, hey, I may do this or I'm thinking about this. And I'll be like, do you really want to do that, though? Like, is that going to drive you closer to your goal? And I feel like there's we have such a hard time asking for help. But I feel like that's very, very important for us to learn how to do. Like and, and kind of finding an accountability partner. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought for me, that's why I started my Instagram too. I was like every month during my weight loss, I would put out my results for my weigh-ins and stuff and being, it's terrifying. It's vulnerable. Yeah. Um, but it really did help me. And and that, again, that helped me. None of these tools are going to work for everybody, but it did, um, did really help me kind of stay accountable. I, I, I have since made friendships and I think sometimes with keto Instagram or whatever it may be platform you're on, you have to start conversations too. You have to talk to people and share yourself um, and make those connections sometimes if there's nobody in your physical life that can do that for you. Um, you know, I was also going to ask you, I think a lot of people want to lose weight. I'm sure a lot of people do in this country or whatever. Um, I think sometimes it's hard to find the motivation that goes beyond willpower for a couple weeks. You know, the New Year, the the New Year's resolution. I'm ready to go, and then two, three, four weeks in, you're back. Like I personally don't feel like willpower is enough. Um, I think it's tricky. 
Um, and when we talk about, I think you had mentioned this earlier, like building habits. I just started the book Atomic Habits. I'm very early into yes. it. I, I just, oh, have you read it? Or I'm listening to it on audio, on Audible, but. Obsessed. And it's one of those oh, things really? where the, the, the uh, best book about, like, if you're looking, I tell people I recommend that book so much because it is the only book I've ever read in history when someone will say, um, in a book, they'll say, you should do this, 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 and this. And you'll think, well, how the hell do I do it? It's the only book I've ever read that actually gives you tools for your toolbox and tells you how to form a habit and tells you in very specific detail how to add those little micro changes that will add up to big results. So, hey, yes, anybody watching this, oh my God, I, I can't believe like, get that I, book. there's total luck. Th- I just started it. And oh, like, even so in the good. beginning, one of the first things in the introduction i'm i think i'm in like chapter i'm very early in the book but in even in the introduction um he was saying like you know we don't even have a good definition of what a habit is he's like it's a one tiny tiny change that you do on repeat for at least a year and that tripped me out that little line (laughs) tripped me out i was like all right i'm ready for this book now we don't think (laughs) about things that way we think about like I'm going to do this, you know, people write me all the time. I've been keto for thir- for four weeks. I've lost three pounds. I'm like, number one, <laughs> you've just scratched the surface. Number two, right. three pounds in a month is a lot. Um, you know, that's 36 pounds in a year. That's a, that's a lot actually. Um, but this, I, this instant results thing is I think really hard for people because Number one, it's obviously not going to work very well. But number two, um, when you run out of willpower, then what? Um, and so I'm just curious if you had any advice around that. And and clearly we we sparked something with the atomic habits. But God, is it book. does it just come down to building healthy habits and letting them ride out? Or how do you deal with this? So with weight loss specifically, everyone has that willpower. Everyone's felt that willpower before. That's why the diet industry makes billions of dollars off of us. But there's a moment that happens to where your willpower's gone or that that first willpower's gone and then the habits do take over um, because you have to you have to think about what you actually want and you're not going to feel like doing it. You're not going to want to go to the gym. You're not going to want to drink water. So it's one of those things where you're uh, like, well, I don't really want to drink all of this water, but I'm going to fill up my water bottle the night before, and it's going to be in the refrigerator. It's going to be cold. I'm going to make that appealing, right? Because he talks about atomic habits. Make the habit appealing. Make it, hmm. put it in, put it in front of your face. Um, have rewards for things. Like there's different things that he says in there that really, really do. Uh, ring true you know like even though you may not want to exercise have all your exercise clothes laid out have your shoes laid out so that it's not even a you don't have to take those extra steps to yeah, lay your gym clothes reducing out the you know? friction, reducing yes. the friction yes friction at every turn you know like meal prepping that's why meal prepping works so well for some people because they know hey i'm already got this it's I already know the macros i can just get it out of the refrigerator so it's all about we're reducing the amount of decisions that you have to make in any given day and making it easier on yourself. Right. And it's so true. I mean, even with keto, it 
feels so hard for people in the beginning, but I tell people like, keep going because by six months in, you won't even really worry about being keto anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, it it's just like, becomes it, more it just starts to be food. Yeah. It just starts to be food. I, I love that. I'm definitely going to keep diving into the book, but that's, that's really cool. Um, I'm very excited about this. <laughs> so good. It's so good. I love it so much. I love it. Um, well, Stella, this was, this was like, amazing we could probably do this for another few hours but we'll save it we'll save it for season two um you are a champion oh you really are I you're appreciate amazing everything you do um you have really I, I really mean this you have been an inspiration to me i think to so many other people you just are kind and warm and loving and people feel that from you every day and i have to thank you not only for being here today but for just like being a part of <laughs> this community um I really appreciate it. And I thought there was some real interesting stuff today. I learned a lot. So, um, well, I appreciate you and you're just such a light. I look forward to your stories so much. So thank you. Thank you. Well, all right. So, uh, I am going to kick you Stella off camera and, <laughs> In a few seconds, and I'm going to do a bonus episode uh, for my Patreon family. I'm going to reflect on what we talked about here today. So uh, if anybody's interested in the bonus episode, join me at patreon.com slash chef Michael for the bonus episodes and for all the other bonus episodes as well as some other freebies. You can join me there as a member for a few dollars a month. Uh, you not only get all the content, but you help me keep the lights on. Um <laughs> It's really, it's really not a profitable thing for me, but at least if I could keep doing this and sharing uh, the things that I believe in, that would be really appreciated. If anyone could join me there, thank you so much. Um, join me for the next episode. You can also get more information here uh, about this podcast or about this episode or any other episodes at chefmichael.com slash podcast. Find Stella on Instagram at Stella is striving, right? Did I get that right? Yes, sir. Okay. At Stella is striving. Um, really amazing, beautiful light that we are graced with in this community. So please make sure to follow her, whether you're keto or not. Um, and uh, last but not least, thank you so much to our sponsor, Redmond Real Salt, for providing support for the podcast. If you guys don't already use Redmond Salt, you really should. It is the best salt in the game. Get in those electrolytes right through your food. Go to redmond.life and uh, place your order using the discount code Chef Michael for 15% off. I love you guys so much. Just be a little bit healthier today than you were yesterday. That's really all it takes. And I will see you guys on the next episode. Bye.